the Ortho PAC, hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the Ortho PAC, where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Thanks for joining us again this week on the Ortho PAC. I discuss burnout with Janine Gargiulo. Janine, hi, welcome. I'm glad to have you on our podcast. Welcome to the Ortho PAC. Thanks, Sam. So for our listeners, recently I joined Janine on a webinar about life and work and the current pandemic. And Janine gave a presentation on a very interesting, very important topic, professional burnout. I think that's so relevant, especially in today's environment, that I invited her to come on the podcast. I'm glad you could join us. And I was hoping you might give us a little bit of background, how you became a PA. Sure. So I actually was fortunate enough to stumble across the PA profession before it was actually as popular as it is now. Um, I landed myself in the emergency room with a cut and a PA is the one who took care of me. So while I was getting sewn up, my mom interviewed this PA and she was nice enough to give us everything we could ever want to know about the profession. And that actually led me into a PA program right out of high school where I could do a five-year master's degree, kind of condensed undergrad and and graduate school. So that's kind of how I got into the PA profession. I I was always interested in medicine, but wasn't exactly sure kind of what route I would be taking. But as soon as I found out about this, I knew this was exactly the perfect fit for me. Oh, awesome. You know, with our time on the webinar, I figured either a PA or a vet <laughs> with yeah, your dog. <laughs> you're right. That was on the short list. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Well, great. Um, so what made you decide to do orthopedics? I've always been involved in sports and I played a lot of sports growing up and then focused in on softball. I did end up playing college softball as well. And like most of us who played sports and especially college level sports, we end up with injuries. And so I kind of dove into the world of orthopedics there as a patient. So you get to learn a little bit, but I think a lot of us as patients, you know, we learn a lot there and and kind of are familiar with the field that leads us into orthopedics. And so that's kind of how through my own injuries, I I got a little bit familiar with the field, earned a lot of respect for the field and and had some personal interest. So I, I think that I really enjoyed everything I did during my clinical rotations, almost everything. I like kids a lot. I did not enjoy my pediatrics rotation as much as some of the other things, but I think that's why orthopedics really stood out for me. Yeah, well, that's great. Um, And so you're currently doing clinical practice, and I understand you're doing joints. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, I work with a private practice here in Northern Virginia in Alexandria, and I work for the Anderson Clinic. Pretty much my role is hip and knee replacement with Dr. Hamilton, the rest of the total joint replacement surgeons. Mm -hmm. Are you doing any clinical work or is it mainly OR? So I do a mix of clinical work. I'm usually in clinic three days a week and in the operating room about two days a week. So we have both a surgery center and hospital OR work that we do. And I'm fortunate of being the lead PA here. I've been here for about 11 and a half years. So I see both post-operative patients for two physicians. I do a lot of injections. I do new patient visits, acute visits, and um, whatever needs to be seen. We have a fellowship program here. So I get to help with kind of training and leading the fellows as they start their 
fellowship year in August and go through till the end of July. We have four fellows a year. We also have a research institute. So I've been, again, fortunate enough to get involved with some research there. If I have anything I'm very interested in, or I can fund some projects there as well. And then recently I have a PA student with me. So I've, I've gotten to do some precepting through the clinic as well. Mm-hmm. Pretty neat. And I have a good team of other PAs in practice, including two on the joint replacement team with me. Right, right. So you are a very busy individual, and I think that's <laughs> a, a very appropriate uh, kind of setting for our topic today. Yeah. Can you help us understand what burnout means? What do you mean when you say burnout? Is there a definition? I've done a couple seminars on this, and there is actually a definition of burnout. And the National Library of Medicine says, it's defined as an excessive stress reaction to one's occupational or professional environment. It is manifested by feelings of emotional and physical exhaustion, coupled with a sense of frustration and failure. So that's what the National Library of Medicine says. But, you know, what it really means for us is that in the end, we give a lower quality of care for our patients. The patients who are receiving that care from us kind of have a decreased patient satisfaction with us. And that's kind of all in a flow chart goes and circles around. So we are not getting out of what we're putting in. We don't really feel that same satisfaction from them either. Our workflow efficiency is decreased and that decreases our eventual productivity. When we're all busy, we know that. Generally, burnout leads to a very high staff turnover. And then even in my specific role with my, you know, precepting and the fellows and everything else, quality of our teaching to the next generation of healthcare providers is affected. So this stress reaction to our occupational or professional environment in the world of medicine gives us those emotional and physical exhaustion feelings, that sense of frustration and failure. It manifests itself in several ways for us. So that's that's a big deal when we really kind of break down that definition and, and think about it. You know, absolutely. And I actually think that I had burnout last year. September, I went to work part time. And prior to that, I was just miserable, you know, and just mm-hmm. had a hard time getting to work. So I, I really can relate to that. Are there examples that you could give us, you know, from an orthopedic standpoint, what kinds of things should we be on the lookout for? You know, when you ask any of us in the world of medicine, that first question, when you go in for the interview of why do you want to go into this profession? The standard answer that we all gave at some point was, oh, I want to help people. Innately, I think we're all givers. We are type A, typically. We, we are givers. We want to give our help. We want to give comfort to these people. I think as PAs, as a profession, we want to give patient education and reassurance. And oftentimes we are the go-between, you know, between a surgeon and, and my role. So we are much more manageable for patients to come to because they know they're going to get just a little bit more. We are the emotional people they can really count on. You know, so we're, we're almost like the emergency preparedness people. We're always on, if you will. So that's kind of where I think we're almost, if you will, prepared for burnout a little bit more innately kind of prone to this. But the first things that I, I hear my colleagues say, or even myself, when I think like you, Sam, I've, I've been burnt out before and especially with COVID, that's, that's something I think we're going to see a lot of or have seen a lot of, but people say that trigger word is I'm emotionally exhausted. And I've, I've said it myself and so many of my colleagues say that as well. 
you know, and that's when we really need to stop and say, like, are you actually okay? Do you have a work-life balance? You need to get away for a little bit. Is there anything we can do to help? And trying not to be accusatory of coworkers when we're asking this, um, trying to be understanding, even if it's not something we're currently going through, we, we have or we will and try to offer some help or resources, just the ebb and flow of usually our lives does revolve and, and it will come and go. But that, that emotionally exhausted kind of terminology is usually the first thing I hear my coworkers or myself say, and we're kind of easing into a, a caution with burnout is kind of on the way. Right. You know, I'm sure there are so many things that play a role. You, you just emotionally fatigued or burned out and, you know, you're stressed Mm -hmm. working with a busy surgeon, two hours behind every day, work through lunch all the time. We've all been there. We all do that. And I think it's a very important thing to realize when this is happening and, you know, respect that. Oh, this is going on and you got to do something about it. You have to have some sort of intervention or it gets worse. I can definitely say that. I've seen this in myself and I know when it's time for me to say, let's back up and go hit golf balls, go do something. Right. Frequently in my group, I'll see people that have the same kind of issues. How do you approach that? I tend to ask people, you know, if they really have an outlet of some sort, you know, we all went into this with good intention. And I think generally we like what we do. It's sometimes the balance. And I know, especially through PA school or the fellows, you know, medical school and residency, and they've just been burning their wheels for so long. Do you have a balance? For me, I also teach fitness classes at the gym a couple mornings a week before I go to work. We kind of joke it's my crazy pill, but you know, that is my time for me. I sweat it out. I meet with my gym friends and we do group fitness classes together. I have natural endorphins and then I go to work and I've had that time for me. And that is so settling to me. And maybe for you, it's golf. And for other people, it's something else. Maybe other people just want to meditate or I'm not sure. Different people with different desires have any different outlet that they want, but whatever it is, I try to encourage people, whether they want to be super active or super reserved, depending on their personality is have you defined an outlet that you can separate yourself from this. Mm-hmm. So you can really let go or, or balance this out because at the end of the day, we want to be able to go to work and, and enjoy what we're doing there. And, and take positivity away from it instead of any of the negativity. Right. I mean, we're there to help people, but it's hard to help people when you're having this kind of situation going on and you just feel miserable and, you know, you just want to get out of the door. Absolutely. And it sounds cliche, but it's so true. You know, you really can't help anyone else unless, you know, you're functioning and helping yourself as well. You've touched on some things about how to take care of yourself, exercise and those sort of things. Are there lifestyle changes. For me, reducing my hours made a huge difference. I was lucky enough to be able to do that, but are there other lifestyle changes? Diet. I'm sure people self-medicate with alcohol and those kinds of things when they start having this. What kinds of other things are there that we can do? That's a good question. For me, I think kind of health and fitness are complementary. I've even changed my fitness schedule and I tend to be, again, a surgical person in me as a morning person. So I prefer to just get up earlier and have my time for me first 
before the craziness of the day and everybody else's time of need for me comes so that I give to myself Mm -hmm. before I give to others, if you will. For me, that is satisfying. Mm -hmm. I know several nurses in the hospital are doing different diet challenges, but I do think eating even a a well-balanced diet is helpful. We know that sleep is another thing that really does matter. And even if it's little naps through the day or having some peace and quiet time, but kind of an overall health and fitness are complementary to this. So, you know, whatever it is, you can do something as a community, you can do something privately, Mm -hmm. even five to 10 minutes can be very appreciated. Absolutely. Your mind needs to be just as fit. You know, that's, that's part of the fitness component. Yeah. I tell you what, I'm a big nap fan. <laughs> I think naps are underrated. I'm I'm all about a nap. Oh, I'm with you there. As a morning person, yes, I love a good nap. So you mentioned some of your own experiences with burnout and how to recognize and treat it. I know you've done a lot of research on this. Sometimes you just can't pull yourself out of that funk. Mm-mm. So when should you start thinking about professional help or some counseling? I think really when you notice that your few bad days has turned into a few bad weeks or a few bad months. And you do have people coming to you, obviously, because they care, you know, that obviously means it's it's become noticeable and kind of a habit and without overusing this term of, quote, your new normal, mm-hmm. you know, that's overused now, of course. But that's really when, you know, if you've really tried on your own even or done a couple of your own tricks and you just can't seem to pull yourself out of it, There are many good professional options out there, too. I mean, this is a real and validated problem for us. And sometimes when we just feel like we don't have anything more to give, it is okay to go take care of yourself. Let someone else give to you to fill you back up a little bit. And that's what part of this balance is. So there's definitely a time when you should consider going for counseling or more professional help for this burnout. There are plenty of resources out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think managers, if we have uh, some managers in our listening audience, I hope they're listening to this, that if someone comes to you and they're having this problem, it doesn't mean that they're slack or whatever. It just means that they might need some time. Mm -hmm. I think everybody needs a little sabbatical once in a while, recharge the battery. So hopefully our managers or PA administration folks would kind of take that in. You had mentioned other resources. What are some good articles or uh, websites that people can uh, do some more research on? You know, I actually just found my favorite article that is just out there now was on self.com. And there are 41 mental health apps. It's, It's 41 mental health apps that will make life a little bit easier. There's a couple different categories there, but one is kind of self-help and and therapy as a category. Mm -hmm. There's another one for mindfulness and meditation. There's another one for mood tracking. And then there's another one for either professional or peer support. And they're all apps and you can go through. And I downloaded some of these just recently and have been kind of using them. Some are like a, a game. Some are just to check in and reassess your mood. And that's a method we use with teaching, actually, kind of doing a self-assessment. Sometimes that will really let you know, think outside of your own box, actually. You know, you might not understand every day that maybe you're a little less patient than you understand, uh, you know, especially me, I work with a surgeon, so mm-hmm. there's that. <laughs> but, you know, that you're a little bit more irritable, you know, if you... <laughs> You're sighing a lot more, doing a lot of deep breathing. You know, it's just harder to let things go. You're pulling 
the negative things home with you and instead of those positives, you know, what you're choosing to let stick with you, it, it kind of can sneak up on you very easily. So this, uh, this article at self.com I thought was pretty comprehensive, very accessible, very easy to go. A lot of these apps are free. So I thought that was a really good article that, that gave a couple different apps in different categories where people could go and access that. And then as far as the, um, the fitness option, there's plenty of things out there. Even one of my favorite apps that's out there for fitness is called Seven, and that's free. That's a seven-minute workout. And just that is enough to get you moving, get your heart rate up some. There's any number of free workout apps that are out there. I know Peloton, for people who have a bike, they have a free app right now. I teach Les Mills classes. They have some free content. Beachbody, I teach. They have some free content. And then, you know, there's the, the meditation app, Calm. I know Headspace is a, a common one, a popular one that mine needs to be fit to, but you know, some of these you can check in with friends and make it a challenge. You hold each other accountable, even when we're, you know, with COVID being socially distant or friends across the country. Or you can do this kind of in person, you know, and, and really check in with people close by and your coworkers to make it a challenge. Gosh, I, you know, I could be the poster child for this. I, you know, I totally have been through this and I have my noise canceling headphones and I'll put on, mm -hmm. you know, water sounds or something and just kind of mm -hmm. veg, you know, and, and that helps so much just to be a little introspective, but, uh, you know, Janine, thank you so much for coming on today and helping us understand this topic, uh, and how we can manage it and, uh, how this affects us. Um, do you have any last comments or anything you'd like to share with our listeners? I really appreciate you having me. This is something I do feel fairly passionate about, you know, 12 years in the field. And, you know, I, I started off very young in my early 20s. And it's something I've been through as well. And I, I think it's just because we care, we're passionate. And I think the further reasonings that we all got into this, we're all going to experience this at some time. So knowing that it's, it's normal, basically, you know, it's going to happen and how to cope, how to deal and when to ask for help or where to find help and, and knowing that, you know, you're not alone with this is, is the best thing. So thanks for having me so much. I really appreciate it, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. And, and people take care of yourself so you can take care of other people. Janine, thank you so much. Once again, I appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you for joining the Ortho PAC podcast. Physician Assistance in Orthopedic Surgery is a professional organization dedicated to providing common direction for PAs in orthopedics. Learn more about membership at paos.org. This is Sam Dyer from the Ortho PAC Podcast. Do you need some CME? Did you know that a current PAOS membership at the mere cost of $125 or $25 for students, you will have access to 18.5 hours of CME. Now get this, at no charge. That's right, no charge during PA week and throughout the month of October. Visit paos.org to sign up today.